Welcome to Much More Much Year with Pup Duffy and Kara Lane, an Aunt Imagination production. Today, I am here with Danny Wu, incredible filmmaker. Um, oh, he directed awesome. and wrote <laughs> Square One, which was fantastic. Um, but his newest piece, I just, it hit me. It hit me so hard right here. Uh, it's called American and Odyssey to 1947. And you cover such a vast array of um, historical events that happened. Like you've, you know, got Hiroshima, you've got, you know, Orson Welles, you've got internment camps. And I remember like with the internment camp specifically, George Takei, came to a college near us and so I got to see him speak and he talked about his time in the Japanese internment camps which were basically concentration camps for you know the Japanese um so yeah so the fact that you hit on all of these big things it's um there's like this duality of greatness but also the tragedy that is the history of this country in this documentary. Um, so what actually gave you the idea to do this? Um, so what had happened was um, during the pandemic, you know, we were all stuck at home and um, I was like, Hey, if I'm going to get into this filmmaking thing, you know, I didn't study filmmaking at all in college or anything like that. I'm like, I want to I want to be a student of the game. I, I want to watch some of the greatest films ever made. And um, I was looking through cinephile lists and stuff like that and just became obsessed with um with movies in general. And um, on top of all of the lists is the film Citizen Kane, as I'm sure most people can relate to. And um, that was the film that I actually watched first. But it was also the film that I kept coming back to because it was just so superbly crafted. And to think that someone in the 1941 can make a movie like that, it just intrigued me so much. So when I came back to Canada, I started researching more about um, Orson Welles. And it just completely blew me away that someone that young was able to have this much control in Hollywood at that time to make a movie on his own terms. And what fascinated me more was that he pretty much never got that opportunity again. And so I was wondering why, why this was, you know, and the more I researched, the more I found out about the story of Orson Welles and William Randolph Hearst and um, how William Randolph Hearst kind of, you know, blacklisted him from Hollywood and drove him out of the country. And in my head, I'm like, okay, why isn't this common knowledge? You know, why, why doesn't most people my age know about it? And so I kind of wanted to um, start a, a journey into, at first, I only wanted to make a YouTube video, believe it or not, about Orson Welles and um, to explain Orson Welles and William Randolph Hearst. Uh, but um, I emailed one of the authors of like the um, Orson Welles books to see if he would be interested in doing a Zoom interview with me, sat down with him, did a Zoom interview. And, um, you know, it just... It didn't feel right to me to make a YouTube video about this and have it through Zoom. It's just it didn't I didn't like the I didn't like the vibe of that. 
And the more I learned about Orson Welles, the more I learned that, you know, it's not just Citizen Kane that drew him out, drove him out of the country. And the fact that so much of what I was learning about Orson and about America in the 30s and 40s, it, it really kind of related to me about um, America just in 2020 at that time. Um, I just felt that I had a bigger story there that I wanted to tell. And um, it's when I found out about the story of Isaac Woodard. Um, that's when I realized that I really want to make this into a documentary film. And so, you know, that's what I did. And I waited to, I, I actually, I wrote out the script of the perfect movie that I wanted. Most of the cast that I would have wanted. I pretty much was able to interview everyone, which was just incredible. Uh, we did it all through Zoom first. And then I waited to get my two dose of vaccines, you know, stay safe. And, um, you know, we wanted to first stay safe. And also it's just out of respect for all the elderly people that I'm going to be around. You know, I think our average age of this film is around like 77 or 78. And so um, I waited to get my two doses. I traveled across the U.S. on a road trip to interview everyone. Uh, just an incredible journey. Uh a month and a half came back edited it and uh, that's kind of the it's like a uh, short short version of how how we got the film today okay and you did amazing and i would like to parallel you with orson wells because orson and then his cinematographer was like we've never done this before we don't know what doing but we're gonna do it and we're gonna have fun doing it and we're gonna make it the way we want to make it which was like a no bars held and I think the beauty in like Citizen Kane um and even like the Martian Madness thing that you know got you know happened but the yeah. beauty is them not being put in that box you know forced into that predetermined box that the industry pushes you into so they were able to kind of just break all the rules and do whatever they wanted to do um, and not really have to worry too much. Uh, and it's also like there's that saying of like, uh, you know, it's always better to ask for forgiveness than ask for permission. <laughs> so yes. I think that they probably did a lot of that, too. Yeah, I mean. And that's where you're at. You've done that, too, yourself. Yeah. So me, um, so when I was making, when I was like starting out, I wanted to, you know, bring the, the perfect team along. Right. And I grew up in, I grew up in China and um, I had a, I had an older friend in China who used to, we used, we used to be best friends. He's like five, four or five years older than me. Apologies to him if he's listening, Ifu, I'm sorry. Um, can't think on the spot, but <laughs> he, he's one of the most talented artists I know, you know, when I was a kid, he would, you know, make computer games for me to play and bring it over. And he was like a 12 year old at that point. And so as I immigrated to the to Canada, you know, he immigrated to Canada later on in his life. He got accepted into Cornell. And um, so he was never a filmmaker or into film design, but he actually specializes in landscape design. Right. And so. My idea was like, what if we bring his technology from landscape design into film, into documentary filmmaking, you know, because he has all this technology that can do, that can make 3D models of um, 
different different buildings, different environments. So I was like, what if we could just do that? And for example, with Howard's story, what if we can just do a three D model of the the like his his entire courtyard? And he he worked so hard. He was basically a one man team to getting this done. He was you know he was um. Peter Parker by day, you know, working his day job, and by night he's like helping me with this with this project. And so it was it was just a, a fantastic time just working with him on this. And we both were so, you know, fresh into this industry that like we didn't really know about any of the rules. I mean, I certainly didn't like you know read too much into filmmaking and stuff like that. I just wanted to make it how I wanted to make it. And um, not not comparing that to Orson because that's just completely different atmosphere of that level. But this is like, this is like kind of like the the garage sale version of it, <laughs> right? And so, um, and I think that's awesome. I think it's like it's so it's almost like a passion project with like your best friend, and that is that's the best thing you could ever have you know it's like you you know how each other works you know each other's personalities what you think how you guys feel and are able to bounce that energies off of each other um and you made a piece that flows so well um Thank one you. of the things that i think uh is beautiful about this is there were things in there that i knew about, like i knew about the martian madness thing i knew about that but I did not know Orson Welles got name dropped by Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> that's an honor. That is insane. That's crazy. Hey, like, just, just, it, it's, it's, it's just like a, the thing with Orson that, you know, I like to tell people is that his life is so interesting that if you just drop yourself into any moment of his life or his career, there's a two hour documentary right there, you know? So, I think obviously you you have to really be picky about what you choose and put into specific stories, but the the, the Hitler quote, you know, from the beginning, I knew that that's that's got to be in there. Yeah, to add on to that, the thing is that you know Simon said that in the interview, right, about the Hitler quote, and I was I was googling around, and there was no other sources about that. You know, so we we actually didn't know at first, like if that was just something that like he misremembered or like, you know, he had a false memory. But then we actually searched like most of the um, newspaper archives and we were actually able to find the speech. So I was like, <laughs> I'm never doubting Simon Callow again. That's for sure. And he, he's amazing, by the way. I was so sh- shocked to see him because he's a brilliant actor in his own. He has been in the industry for so long. Yeah, and so it was nice getting to see a bit of him, like because he was talking about things that he grew up with and he, people he met, and his story too. On top of all of this, which twined in so beautifully together, and I was like, "Wow, I love you, Simon. You're like amazing, and <laughs> I'm so glad that you have given us your life and gifted talent to make this world a better place." Yeah, yeah. Um, so true. So true. so. One of the things, one of the things that I also, um, and the, the first half of the of the documentary is kind of, you know, it, it's kind, it's a little bit more lighthearted in the sense of like, you know, you've got Hearst and how Hearst, you know, fiddled with elections and he was just his grubby fingers were all over the things. Okay, 
But then you go into the back half, which deals with race, intolerance, Jim Crow, um, and how things were. Uh, and I'm going to try not to cry because I cried. Um, but there's a instance in your documentary where they talk about, you know, a guy and the atrocities that he suffered at the hands of police and things. And um, I had to pause it because it, it made me cry in all of these histories uh, that you've put in this documentary. A lot of it has just been whitewashed in American history, like the internment camps. Yeah, sure, we knew about them, but, you know, it's downplayed to how bad the living conditions were or how bad, you know, the prison itself was to Japanese Americans because they had one sixteenth of Jay's blood. Um, and it's just, that was heavy. And I appreciate you bringing you so forth real history for that. Thank you so much. So you were alluding, you were alluding to the two halves, and I'm just I'm just so glad you brought that up. But because like that was definitely that what what I was kind of going for, you know, the first half we kind of talk about Orson and FDR. Because in the story, when I was writing it, I know that you know in telling the story of Orson Welles, we have to prop up Franklin Roosevelt, right, to being just like this incredible, you know, president. And if I just leave it at that, it would be whitewashing, you know, a lot of the other events. And so I wanted to like, in the first half of the documentary, almost make it kind of just like this, this more lighthearted, good versus evil, Franklin Roosevelt versus William Randolph Hearst, you know, and Orson's like incredible climb to fame. And then in the in the second half, we we kind of put you into more of a realistic view of America at the time and how that you know, some of the people that you actually were supporting in the first half of the movie was complicit in creating this environment for, um, you know, minorities at the time, right? There's a lot more that FDR could have done for the African-American community. There's a lot he could have done for the Asian um, Asian American community. Um, that goes without saying. Um, but I think the second half is really just trying to show that, you know, the different, the different uh, subjective perspectives of, um, people in America at that time to kind of form like an objective view of um, of the movie and of the of the time period. So, um, thank you so much for for bringing that up, man. That really that really makes my day to hear that um, that that you 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 like the second half of the film. So we were talking about how like grubby billionaire fingers yeah. are now not just in cookie jars. Um at a federal state level, but now they're getting into local cookie jars, you know, trying yes. to play uh, the game of indoctrination, I guess you could say. Yes. Which is kind of funny because that happened in the past. If you read yeah. history, you know, that's, that's one of the craziest thing that, you know, that I, that I read was that after, you know, after FDR's death and during the communist witch hunt, you know, they were actually a lot of the places they were burning and like destroying the the the, the New Deal murals, and um, that was just 
in, insanity to me. And, you know, Gray, who's in our film as kind of our Roosevelt historian, he actually just drive, he has his own website called Living New Deal. And what they do is they actually just go around looking for New Deal artifacts and collect it, like take a photo of it and put it on the website. So on the website, there's a map of the US of, um, of places you can visit. It's really, it's really cool. I'm going to write that down so that way I can find, see the map because, and that's the thing is like so much of history has repeated itself. And did you see a lot of correlations to like modern day stuff versus what happened back then? Yeah. Yeah. So the, the thing with it, it's like, I, 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 hundred percent. Right. Um, I kind of don't like to, you know, break it down into like what I see, because I don't want people to be forced upon my views. Uh, personally, definitely just seeing the world in 2020 while I was making it to, you know, the the movie I was making is because, you know, people my generation, when we think of the 30s, the 40s, it's so long ago, like no one wants to like leading to what you just said earlier about the mistakes that people repeat. Um, and so uh, I just... I was so intrigued that reading the history of the 40s and 30s that it's so similar to what we're experiencing today, you know, and um, in a lot of ways, what I also wanted to show people was that, you know, we we kind of just a lot of people like dismiss the past that, oh, everyone was like uh, racist or whatever back then. It's like they're, they're terrible. So we're, we're not going to like look at it. But if you look at it, there are people in the 40s that are, that are like a lot more progressive than people today, even I'm sure. <laughs> and so just to see the same battles being fought over and over again is just um, it's, it was mind boggling to me. But also just seeing that that even through that, there's still progress that can be made. I think there there's some hope to be seen in that as well. And I love that. Because, like, we need hope. We yeah. need hope. We need hope in the world. We need to know. And it, it's, like, one of those things that, like, history has told us who wins <laughs> yeah. every single time um, and for progress to be made. And I think a lot of it for us right now is there's, like, a cultural shift because you've got millennials and Zoomers and Gen Xers who are starting to uh, outweigh the boomers so it's a whole generational shift right now that's also you know more progressive and you know we're we're pushing towards like with the digital age and all of that stuff like if you look at the industrial revolution and all of those things there was so much backlash towards those people that were were pushing this thing um so i definitely see that as being you know, pertinent to what's going on in the here and now. Um, what was your favorite part about making this? Like, what was, do you have a favorite scene? Do you have a favorite person you interviewed, a favorite moment? Oh, that was, that, that there, there's just, there's just too many of those. So if I, if I say favorite person, I'd be offending another person. Um, but I think my favorite moment would probably just be, you know, we we weren't able to get into a film festival for like the first seven months. And then we we got into our first film festival at the Newport Beach Film Festival. Then we get into Austin the next week and then it kind of just died down from there. I was just kind of, OK, we got to release this film. And then on Christmas Day, <laughs> literally Christmas Day, 
Um, I get it. I get it. I I I was, you know, I got I got the Google alerts on for a film's title, and then I see that the film critic Jonathan Rosenbaum put us on his list for best films of 2022, and then I was just like, excuse me, like this this can't, this got to be a mistake, right? <laughs> and then and I saw it, like the next day it got added to yearendless.com, and that was like a site that I used like I remember visiting a lot, and so that was um. That because that kind of propelled us into having this European run, you know, we got into Thessaloniki documentary festival and stuff like that, and um, I think I think it's just been a, is is, I just feel our films kind of, it's proved a lot of people wrong, you know. I remember when we were fair, first making this film, when we were first sending it to sales agents and stuff, like a lot of people didn't want to take us because they said if you're gonna make a film about Orson Welles, it should just just be about Orson Welles, none, none of the other stuff. You know, some someone said that if you cut out Isaac and Howard's part, we'll take your film. You know, <laughs> and um, I think I think from a from a from a like I get it that I feel people who are just purely cinephiles when they watch this film, they might get a little bit you know annoyed that this whole thing isn't just about Orson Welles and that they're kind of wondering why it doesn't all relate to Orson Welles. But I kind of I kind of saw it as more of like a like a film about the time, you know, the the time and how how it's personal to me. Um, but I would just say just making that list and kind of getting getting this new life for giving this film a new life that propelled herself into 2023. I thought that was just like, that was an incredible, incredible moment. That's awesome. And like you were saying with like the, I, I think if people are going in to try to watch something on just Orson Welles. There's plenty of documentaries and things out there covering him or books covering him specifically. But I like this because it's like a a patchwork quilt of American culture and history and all of the fine, intricate details that you don't normally get to see in other you know, documentaries or or books or anything, because you were so um, particular about what you put in, like you were saying earlier, very particular about what you put in. Um, How did you go about to find those key pieces that you were like, because this is your, like, you're not, you didn't go to filmmaking school, right? So how do you sit there and look at all of this and be like, this is the key idea or the key you know, sentence here. And okay. then yeah. So so like I said earlier, I um um I have um I wrote I, I wrote the film out beforehand about how I wanted to be. And um, you know, I I wanted to be always having at least two two timelines going on so that I can jump back and forth. I think it creates a more like that that's my personal preference. And then through that, you know, we would I would know that the people I interview, okay, this person will likely say a line that I can trans, um, that I can move from this strand of the story to another strand. And then visually, what are the what are the archival footage that we can find? You know, what are the ones that we can form a transition from archival footage to archival footage or from a 3D model to an archival footage? Um, but I think the grant the the thing that helped out the most was um once I knew that Howard Kakita was gonna be in this movie. It, it kind of sets out the timeline kind of perfectly for me because he was born in 1938. That's when War of the Worlds happened. He went back to Japan in 1940. You know, that's when Citizen Kane was being made. 
1947, he comes back to the U.S. and Orson Welles leaves the U.S. in 1947. So the structure to me, the way I saw it in my head was that we're going to tell the story of these three Americans that leads to the year 47. One American is left blinded by his own country. One American leaves the U.S. and the final American comes back to the U.S. And just to see... Um, you know, how, 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 what led them to that point. And, um, you know, we begin the movie with um, each, basically each of their endings um, kind of just being flashed. And, um, and we work ourselves back to, back to that point. Um, so I think that that's kind of just how I saw it. I wanted to see the the three stories, the two that connects and one that connects kind of on a subtext level that leads to, leads to 47. Right. And that was, it was brilliantly done. It was, it was so good. How long from like start to finish, like from getting the idea to like having the finished product, how long did it take you? Um, so it, it's hard to a- answer this question because like I said, originally it was kind of supposed to be a YouTube video through Zoom. Um, but I would say that I think the big, I would say that it was, it was almost like a waiting game. You know, I've got all these people that agreed to do the the interview each of them have like their own story that like gave me many many sleepless nights just being like are they gonna you know do you know me back yet you know me back yet right and so so it, it was kind of like a waiting game you know because in canada the vaccines arrived so late you know so i couldn't leave the country until i had that so it was difficult to plan when the when the interviews would be so i kind of wrote this story and I'm just, I just don't know if I'm going to be able to shoot it, you know, because like, what, what if like, we never get like, you don't know, these people are, um, we're getting, we're getting up there in age and they were like trying to like get everyone's emailing me like, Hey, when are you going to come to the U S when are you coming to the U S I just don't have an answer for them. And so I think in June, June of 2021 was when I flew to the U S and did the interviews one by one for, for a month. So I come back in July and, um, edited the film um until um i had a i had a pretty rough cut ready by october and then i had a picture lock by december of 2021 so all of 2022 um so 2022 i began submitting the film to festivals with the temp score and it's not colored so i kind of really i think that's why like a lot of the earlier reject the earlier festivals rejected us I was I was so ignorant. I thought, you know, oh, it's it's a great film. They're gonna watch it and they're gonna get it, and <laughs> they're not gonna care about how it's not even colored yet. Um, but you know, we got our composer to score the film, and then we got sound design, and then the coloring. So by the time everything was completed into what you saw today, um, that was around May 2022, I would say. And so, um probably just just less than a year like around a year i think into making it and ever since then the hard, hardest part is just trying to get get the word out on our film <laughs> you know marketing is terrible i hate yeah. marketing but yeah. i'm gonna go ahead and tell you that you are a beast to get it done at <laughs> time frame i'm sitting here like oh my gosh i've got a, a documentary idea and i've kind of started writing a script oh beautiful and i'm sitting here like wow this is gonna take so long it's overwhelming I don't know what I'm doing da, 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 da. you know and then like it just piles on itself <laughs> so I am like in awe at your awesomeness to be able to go into this 
not really having done film school or anything like that. This is what is this your second? My second, okay. yeah. But 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 this is like this is like really like the first time like with the whole doing it correctly. You know, I remember right. when I like it's it, this is kind of my film school, like to be honest with you, because like every time I send the film off to my um the 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 composer and he's like teaching me like hey you have to put this the sound here and here so that I could score the film you know same for sound design and um you know once we signed with the distributor we had to figure out like the, the business side you know oh like what what is an ENO insurance and stuff like that so it's it's kind of cool just to to learn about the process and um you know just it's 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 been crazy you know people ask me like where is your next project done yet and like yeah it, it's been tough to even you know, get this one off the ground. So, um, you know, I'll take my time into making sure this film has the best opportunity it, does, it has. Right. And that's, so do you have an idea for a next go? Like, um, or no? Well, the thing is like, I have to have this like personality where like, I have to be like obsessed with the pro, like with the, with the topic. And um, I think when that obsession comes back, I'll, I'll know the topic, you know, I have a few floating in my head. But there's mm -hmm. the, that obsession hasn't been able to kick in yet, just because I've been I've been so busy with this film, right? So, right. So this will be out theatrically September eighth, right? It will come out theatrically September eighth in New York. Um, currently, we just got extended for another week in London because of the strong hey. performance, and um, it will come out September twelfth um, on VOD. Oh, that's so exciting! I wish I lived in New York. <laughs> or London, for that matter. Anybody who lives in New York and is in London, go see this. It's amazing. Uh, you won't disappoint, I promise. Um, and where can people, like, follow you? Oh, just, um, you can follow me on my Instagram. It's just the letters D-Y-W-U. You know, I have a four-character four Instagram. I got on there early. Um, on Twitter, it's just my name, Danny Wu, and then Y-U-E. And um, just <laughs> at said my all my socials, but our film is um American the movie on Instagram. Um, you can find us there. That's gonna give all the newest information. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, so you guys need to go and you know you know buy this on digital, or if you're in New York, or you know fancy pants London over there, <laughs> go see it. Uh, because if you don't. I, I, I'm going to make it to London at some point. And yeah. Simon and I, we will find you. You know what? Um, <laughs> I totally forgot about this, but September 17th, there's going to be a special screening at the at the Bertha Dock House for, for one one special screening um, where Simon and I will be doing a Q&A after, after the show. Ma'am. Are you guys going to live film that at all? It will, it will be. It will be on, um, on video, I'm sure. So oh, you can definitely catch that afterwards. Yeah. But yeah, I, 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 I told him to, to I told him not to I don't think he's seen the film completely yet. I kind of just wanted him to see it on the big screen. So mm -hmm. I'll be I'll be I'll be really um looking forward to seeing how he feels about it. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, so the 17th. There you guys go. That's gonna be awesome. You get to have Danny and Simon together. Yeah. I mean, how much better could that be? Um <laughs> but I really appreciate you for speaking with me and uh dealing with all of the technological difficulties of no worries, you no know, worries. modern so day for, life. Thank you so much for having me. You know, it's, it's my privilege to be here. This has been an Odd Imagination production. Here at Odd Imagination, you'll find book, film, 
television, and product reviews, as well as roundtable discussions, current events, and hot topics. We are advocates for equality and the freedom to be who you are, no matter what. Aunt Imagination gets its name from autism and imagination, two things that are very important to us. If you would like more information on Aunt Imagination and the podcasts that we host on our website, you can visit autimagination.org. A-U-T-I-M-A-G-I-N-A-T-I-O-N dot org. the poison pulling me she knows all about the drug i plagiarize all my apologies and they still want enough i know i know i know that i should let her go but i don't i don't i don't seem to be in control